And there are those who are in that moment today just like them. And so as we come into this moment, I want us to recognize where we are as a country, that we are not the same country that we were 10 years ago, that we have families that are being affected today because of of the events of that moment, those events, plural, 10 years ago. And so we want to recognize that today. We want to recognize how God is, how God in, in his sovereignty allowed this. Why? We don't know. We'll never fully know. We don't understand why people had to die that day. It's a question that will go unanswered until the day that we die and have an understanding of what was going on in the moment. But when we come into this moment, we do want to come and we do want to recognize that in that moment that something happened, what I would call a deep resolve in the hearts of God's people, in the heart of a nation. You see, I really do believe that God loves his creation. I really do believe that he loves the pinnacle of his creation, humanity. He doesn't just love Americans. He loves Iraqis. He loves people in Afghanistan and Pakistan and Iraq. He loves the Canadians. He loves the French even, right? It's like God God loves all of humanity. He really does. And in that moment, we recognize that God, it was not something that took God off guard. And we recognize that as a country, something happened in that moment. It's the thing that I want us to celebrate in the moment, which they kind of mentioned in this video, is that there was something that happened that next day, that, that day and the next day and the days that after. There was this, this sense of unity that, when it, that, that followed us and who we were as a people. I mean, I think, the, I think the classic example that really paints that picture is the Democrats and Republicans actually got, to get, got named. They actually liked one another for about 48 hours, right? There was something that happened in our government even. They actually said, we agree, and they all stood up and like holding hands, having an awkward hand-holding moment on television, right? It was just this really crazy thing that went down to say there's something in the midst of tragedy, something in the midst of difficult moments like that that seemingly unites and draws people together. It's unfortunate that that's how it comes together, right? It's almost like you come to a funeral and say, well, I hated this. This is what brought us together, right? But they sit there and there's a big family reunion at the funeral, right? I haven't seen you in five years, right? This whole crazy thing that tragedy sometimes draws us and unites us together. Tragedy opens us up to be able to receive from other people and engage other people. It's amazing how that happens. And we watch this happen as it related to the events of 9-11. Psalm 133, David, speaking about, um, about unity, says this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers and all add sisters live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, blessing even life forevermore. I don't know what's going on in the life of David. I don't know what the context is, but he is celebrating the moment, something with his family being united together and it's producing great joy in his life. How do I know? Well, that's what it means here. It says like precious oil poured on the head. But probably a lot of you don't know that in the, in the Old Testament, oil always represented joy. That's why they call it the oil of joy. 
And so in this moment, there's just this banding together, this uniting of, of his family, probably the people of God uniting. We don't really know what's going on. It may have been a tragic moment. It may have been a celebratory moment. We don't really know what's going on. But there's some sort of uniting that's going on in the moment. And he's, and he's celebrating. He's like, oh my gosh, how good it is for my heart and how pleasant it is for my soul. That unity is happening. It's like oil being poured out, so much oil that it just drips down from the head all the way down to my feet. This is the type of joy that I'm experiencing. When we get over here in verse 3, it's like the dew of Hermon. Hermon, who is that Hermon monster? No. Hermon represents the largest mountain in Israel today, right? Almost 9,400 feet tall. It's a massive mountain. And it's like, you know, dew, when dew on a mountain comes together, it actually forms streams. How many of you ever watched, on, actually on this, on this building right here, actually when dew and condensation form on the roof, by about 11 o'clock, all of that's pouring onto the ground. So no matter how dry it is outside, you walk out by the downspout and there's water pouring out from the downspout. Why? Because of dew that's formed on the roof. And he's saying, this is what it's like in Mount Hermon. But think about all the dew that kind of just does this and it forms a stream, right? And streams in Israel were important. Why? Because those streams represented water pouring down the mountain to do what? Look, poured out into their crops. Crops represented a livelihood. So Mount Zion represents salvation. So water for them, the dew, represented a form of water being salvation for them in their life. And it was a great joy and I saw the streams being poured out. And so David's coming along and saying, this is what unity is like. This is what it looks like when brothers and sisters, when they band together. And we looked at earlier, I just referenced Luke 22 for you. This, this, this moment of Passover, Jesus changing the Passover feast forever. It's a great and powerful moment. We've, we've named it before, but in that moment, the disciples, you know what they did? They completely missed the point. It says in verse 24... Verse 24 to 27, it says this. After all this is going on, right? It says a dispute arose among them. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Again, either another level higher. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Jesus comes and says, listen, you're sitting over here and there's a great moment where I'm trying to express to you what it actually means to be a servant. You are embracing rivalry and competition and extreme individualism. Isn't that where we were 10 years ago before this great tragedy? But in the moment, all of a sudden, these people experience this tragedy, tragedy and unity occurs. And in that unity, joy is expressed, the same joy that David is expressing. And Jesus is coming in the moment. He's saying, listen, it's going to be important that you die to your individualism, that you die to your rivalry, and you die to your competition because a great tragedy is coming. My body being broken and my blood being poured out. And if you don't embrace the life of a servant, which will bring about unity, then it's going to be bad, bad news for you. 
You see, because I guarantee you, if today we decided in, the, in this room, all of you stood up and said, This morning, Steve, I commit that everything in my life now, listen to me, because this is Bible being poured out from Jesus. If you would simply give your life every day to serving every single person in this room like Jesus served at the table for his disciples, right? Making a fool of himself by taking off his clothes and getting down on the, this, doing this whole thing of servant. That was actually the, what was that? That was the washing of the feet, right? This whole act of servanthood, this picture of serving, right? This idea of doing, if you did this, then there would be unbelievable unity poured out among you. Because how many of you know that when people come to serve you, it makes you breathe easier and you just like them. You want to be around them. You love hanging out with people who love to serve you. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'd love another another drink. Yeah, yeah, I'd love another towel. I'd love whatever, right? You love people who serve you, who will come along and do life with you and give their lives for you. And Jesus is coming and saying, listen, this is the life that I'm calling you to. Because if you will embrace a life of servanthood and coming and literally dying to rivalry, dying to competition, dying to individualism, and actually embrace this community of people by serving them, then unity will occur. So Jesus dies. The very thing he said that was going to happen, happened. And what did the disciples do? Well, they kind of ran off, they got freaked out, and then what did they do? They all came back to one place. And they just prayed. And they sought God together. They went after Jesus together saying, we don't understand, but we're going to pray. We're going to cry out. We're going to believe you. And look what happened in the midst of their unity. What happened? The oil of joy. We call him the Holy Spirit or call it the Holy Spirit was poured out, empowered them. And they became, they went out and began to preach the word of God boldly. Let me say to you, when we talk about being a people who serve in a people of unity, listen, unity in the book of Acts is one of the prerequisites for revival coming. If, you wanna, if you're one of those people who's like, revival, crying out for God's spirit to move in power, then are you serving people? If you don't live your life in servanthood, which causes unity to happen, then you're not going to see God's spirit, the oil of joy being poured out. How great was it, David said, when there was unity among our brothers. It's like the oil of joy being poured out. This is God's word for us this morning and in this season. If we, as we come in and commemorate this morning of, of, a, of this great tragedy occurring, just like the disciples experienced their own great tragedy, and unity was birthed for a season here in America, God's saying, as we embrace unity, then this, this, there'll be a great, great my spirit being poured out. There's this tragedy occurred. There's this great spirit of unity being poured out. And he's saying, if you will embrace this unity and cause this to happen as servanthood is expressed, then there'll be unity, the oil of joy will be poured out, and it will be good for you as a people and as a church. And when that happened, when the oil of joy was poured out on the people, guess what happened? They went out to their neighbors, proclaimed the gospel boldly, and it says thousands were added to their number that day. As we come and commemorate 9-11... We commemorate an event, but that event should awaken us to something deeper. 
It should, as being people who are about the kingdom of God, it should express and awaken something even deeper in us. We, don't, we can get emotional about a moment, but that emotion should drive us and say, now, Jesus, would your kingdom be established here on earth as the prince of peace? Would you come through me? This morning, we're gonna, we, we, we've already said that we're going to talk about our community groups, our small groups. And the idea is this at Vintage, the way that we are uh, helping cultivate unity among Vintage and the body of Christ are two ways. One, through our LTG groups, and second, through our small groups. LTG groups are uh, we're called life transformation groups. They're basically men who are getting together with men and women who are getting together with men. They're basically a mixture of a hybrid of accountability groups. What did I say? Yeah, you know what I meant, seriously. You come together the same sex, all right? Come together. And these hybrid groups, right, their accountability, their, their discipleship, their prayer, and their study of the word. And the idea is to come together. You're not trying to create some sort of debate. You're not trying to create some sort of gaining knowledge. You're trying to grow in unity as you press and you encourage one another to greatness and to be released in the thing that God has for him, right? And so that's what you do. And how do you do that? Well, we've got Scott McMath. We have Gary Givens who are here and who can come along and help lead you into that. I know Sheila Anderson's that. I, I'm not sure if other women are part of those groups. I'm not part of the women groups, right? But these are groups that you cultivate, that you make happen yourself. Right, So if you want to talk more about those, find one of those people that I named. You can talk to me, and I will help you cultivate that. But the second thing we're focusing on this morning are our small groups. Our small groups, they're launching in two weeks. We have said at Vintage, we want to be bare bones. We're not going to have a 1,000 programs. We don't have the time, the money, or the resources to do every single program that other churches have. But we want to do these two things of discipleship well, our LTG groups and our small groups. Our small groups, they have leaders. And this is the way you're saying, Steve, how do I get plugged into Vintage? Well, this is how you do it. This is how you get to know people, right? You plug into one of these small groups by dying to individualism, by dying to your competition and your rivalry, stepping out of your busy schedule and saying, I need to engage unity with the people who are part of the body of Christ where God has placed me by investing and serving other people who are in my church family. You hear that. Getting outside of your comfort zone, your busy schedule, we're all, listen, every single person in this room has the excuse of being busy. Three quarters of the people in this room have children just like you do. They have sporting events just like you do. I'm just telling you very quickly, nobody has an excuse because we all have the same excuse, which means we don't really have one. They cancel each other out, right? And so, so this morning, I'm going to invite all our small group leaders to come up. Go ahead and come forward. Hand me that list. Where did it go? 